Hello everyone and welcome back to the Red Army podcast. Um, Kaylon is obviously not here, I'm Patricia and I am the captain this week of both the Red Army podcast and now also Monster Rugby. Um, and joining me is actually a returning guest, um, Eric Fitzgerald. Eric, I'd say you've been here as often as I have at this point, but um, how are we getting on? Yeah, I have been here a grand total of one time. So does that equal your uh, does that equal your record? Um, it's probably not too far off, to be fair. Yeah. I don't think I've only missed one week, but I, I know this is an audio medium, but just for the benefit of the listeners, like I just want people to know that when you said I am the captain now, you did the full like Barakat Abdi and Captain Phillips thing <laughs> of like pointing at your eyes and pointing. At I did. Me. Like I, I feel did. like Tom Hanks and Captain Phillips right now. That's that's always what I'm going for. Um, and as not as because I've been. And not because I've been trapped and forced to do something against my will, which is record this <laughs> podcast. I asked very nicely if you would like to come and do this podcast. Yep. And much like Joseph Dweba, I'm approaching it with an ill-earned confidence. <laughs> oh my God, it's too early to laugh at Joseph Dweba. It's never too been, early to laugh like at Joseph Dweba. Never too early to laugh at Joseph Dweba. I was laughing Look. at Joseph Dweba. I was like that scene from The Simpsons where Burns remembers crippling the Irishman as a child. <laughs> and he's like laughing for the entire week. And it's like, what was I laughing at? Oh, yes, that terrible South African hooker. As soon as he came out for the warm up, like, we're, I mean, we're skipping ahead already. But as soon as he came out for the warm up, I was like, this guy is just hilarious. I just remembered like how bad a hooker crisis South Africa were having at the World Cup and the fact that his phone never rang. And it just yeah. made me laugh. And the hilarious thing is like Dion Faree will come back to that Stormer squad as a 37-year-old back row who has a World Cup winner's medal for having played 76 minutes at hooker in a World Cup final. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's just... Joseph Dweba, no. Yeah, Joseph Dweba's total appearance record at the 2023 Rugby World Cup, zero minutes played. <laughs> you know, I was at the 2023 Rugby World Cup. We were both at the 2023 Rugby World Cup more than Joseph Dweba was. And like, yes. that's pretty funny. We categorically were. I, I, I was at six, six games. Yes, yeah, six games of the Rugby World Cup, which is six more than Joseph Dweba was at. And I went to twelve games, which is you know twice as many as you went to, and also twelve more than Joseph Dweba. So, where's so my winner's medal? Essentially, I am the Grant Williams to your Kobus Reinach. Pretty much, yeah. I, you know, you're the sort of um, what's his name, Roy Gard. I'd even forgotten his name at that point. I don't know if I want to be Roygaard considering the reasons why he may not have been available to play for the All Blacks. Completely allegedly, unfamiliar. allegedly, allegedly, and um, you know who was what he was replaced by the guy who looked like a regen from Rugby Eight, Finley Christie. Oh, like um, obviously we are here to talk about Munster, but one of my like highlights from the World Cup was during the Ireland New Zealand game, which obviously didn't bring many highlights from an Irish point of view. Um, there was a group of New Zealand lads sat in front of us and they were like, they were mouthy, but you know, when you're like, this is, you know, relatively good hearted. And they started sort of making fun of um, the fact that there are a couple of New Zealand born players in the Irish squad at the moment. So they were, when Bundyaki scored, they were saying, you know, that one shouldn't count because it grow your iron players and all this shit. And I was like, well, you have a Scottish guy on your team. So I'd probably pipe down if I was you because that's much more embarrassing. I mean, they also have several guys from Tonga, Fiji and Samoa who were coaxed into playing for New Zealand or moving to New Zealand at a relatively young age. So when they brought up Bundyaki, I was like, well, he's Samoan. And they yeah. were like, oh, well, he, and I was like, guys, come on. And then they won the game. So it was kind of worse after that. But 
you know. Yeah. We won't go there. The, the no. World Cup, the World Cup is over, and Munster are playing again, and that is actually all that matters. We have plenty of woe-inducing rugby to talk about uh, in Munster season so far. So, I mean, Munster won that game. Uh, the game that we are going to start by talking about, of course, is the game between Munster and the Stormers, which I think what round was that? Five in the URC. That's something that I could have definitely confirmed beforehand, but I think it that was, was round, round five. five. That was round five, and look. You know what, like at this stage last season, we had won a grand total of two games. Uh, we had beaten the Bulls. We had beaten Zebra. I was going to say, um, one of them was that Zebra game, which doesn't even count as a win. I, I don't believe in an afterlife, but if I ever get sent to like the Bibli- like the Judeo-Christian like biblical notion of hell, it will be me at that Zebra game in Musgrave Park for all eternity. I can't leave and <laughs> I'm forced to watch that like 60 minutes between Monster between like Zebra's try and Monster's third try where nothing happened. You're there for eternity and they will not score a bonus point try in that time. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like but you, this you... year we have a round five victory um over the Stormers, you know, still making it that the Stormers have never beaten Monster in the URC, which is absolutely that I mean, it's just hilarious, really, when you think it's about the it. Funniest stat in the league. Like I I I love the fact that we were like, you know. It's like you gave it everything. It's like you bullied us in the scrum. Um, you absolutely like you know you forced our breakdown into utter slop. And I was like, and we still beat you ten three. It's like you still could not score tries on us. Like yeah. there was one point. Um, there was one point where was it? Um, I'm trying to remember which which Stormers player it was who made a really good break after a chip after a chip over. It mm-hmm. was I think it was uh, Feinberg um and Gomezelu. Uh, and Gomazulu and um like he ran ahead of his own chip kick. Like he completely missed it and Shane Daly was able to recover it. And I was like, that just sums up the Stormers. Yeah, so we we were looking at a, a 10-3 win for Munster here, where um the only try in the game was scored just before halftime by Edwin Adogbo and um I went a bit Irish independent on the pronunciation there. Edwin Adogbo. I don't know why I went for it. Like I know how to say Edwin Adogbo's name. But yeah, you did. You, you didn't do the full birch like a a a Edwin Edwin Egg Dogbog scored the try yeah. for Munster um at the end of the first half, and like you say, Stormers, you know, you could have pushed Cat's eyes down and lit a path to the try line, and I don't think that they would have been able to score. But um, uh, we were both at, at this game, and I think we might have like slightly different reads on it. The weather as you will know, because you were on the other side of the stadium, but the weather seemed to be the same over there as it was on my side, was it was really bad, really awful weather. You see, this is one of the many benefits of um, standing in the West Terrace, which is that you typically don't tend to get rained on um, during really bad weather. Um, But like looking back at, you know, like looking up at the screen when it was really pelting down and like you could see players looking through an absolute like, um sheet of rain falling mm-hmm. um like you could tell by the handling errors in fairness on both sides like but whereas i think what actually happened was the stormers adapt tried like they made a better job of adapting to the conditions than monster did like monster really could have benefited from just a bit more kind of like, I think, close contact, short play off the rock, like setting up a few phases before going wide. Like you yeah. saw that in the first, just before the end of the second half, but in the end of the first half of the dog balls try, like how much they benefited from like pick quick and jams. 
whereas like the Stormers really were making hay like I mean you know Engelbrecht Dixon and Roos in particular all carried like really really well um I thought Roos in particular had a great game for the Stormers yeah he is one of those players who is just like kind of a monster you know you hear and every team has one like he is sort of I guess like like last because you know Gavin Coombs has sort of changed what he's doing in this monster team quite a bit but he's sort of mm. Evan Roos kind of reminds me of when Gavin Coombs is doing what Gavin Coombs is most famous for like when he's really performing in that way that's sort of Evan Roos is very much that guy for the Stormers and I think every team has a guy like that and he's the one where you know from an opposition supporter point of view you see him get the ball and you're just like oh this guy has the ball again yeah, Gav is playing a lot more like the likes of um Ty Byrne. Mm. And Gav like like Evan Roos right now is playing like we expect Brian Gleason to play in like a year or two in yeah. terms of his ability to carry ball. Um but like even I, I thought even as well, like, you know, Munster were very much like committed to the on ball credo. Um you could like, you know, we had fifty six percent possession, um, we had fifty eight percent territory, like we we had plenty of space with which to probably win this game a bit more it clinically. didn't feel like it it really did not feel like it um and in particular we seem very committed to the idea of trusting our set piece for scoring mm. tries like there were several times where we went to the corner where I was hoping that Jack would just knock over another three and like just pull out every so often because like um pull ahead rather every so often um but 10-3 <laughs> 10-3 is like the worst possible lead to have. No, sorry. I, sorry. 9-3 is the worst possible lead to have because you can, yeah. you can turn it over the try. But like 10-3 is just that rotten lead where you're like, okay, cool. If they score a try at the end and convert it, we've drawn this game. Like we've lost two points. But I thought like, I thought just generally, I think what Munster can be accused of a lot this season is just really overcomplicating things. Like mm. a lot of our attacking moves seemed to break at down. the line out. Oh my god! Guys, we do not I, like. I don't need like it. Oh my god! I don't even know what I'm looking at at this point. Like that is not a lineout. I've seen lineouts before. I know what they look like, and they don't look like that. And all of the like the feints and the guys running in at one. There was one um where I don't even know like how it showed up on TV. It's obviously different when you're at the match. But Hodnett ran in from like fucking sixteen miles down the road. Like Hodnett was actually in the city center and like ran in to join this lineout, and then it. Oh, I, I don't, I don't know what it achieves because all it seems to be achieving so far this season is like misthrows or overthrows. And Scott Buckley, I thought for you know a young guy who played eighty minutes, I thought he had a, I thought he had a decent game. I thought he played pretty well until they started doing all the feints and stuff at the lineouts. And then I think that the, I think Munster lost two in quite quick succession, and you just kind of thought, yeah, this is what the rest of the day is going to be. And I know that there is definitely a situation where the lineout is too simple but i think that there is also a situation where the lineout is too complicated and like there has to be a middle ground i just i i suppose watching it there like i think i i genuinely think what we're trying to do and i think it was what ireland were trying to do in the world cup as well to like a comparative level of success when we remember how terrible ireland set piece was at the world cup i think what we're trying to do is we're trying to faint like one pod either at the front like the opposite pod to where we're getting the ball we're yeah. trying to faint them into jumping 
um, so that when we get the ball, we can invariably set up a mall and the opposition is scrambling to get defenders behind us. That's what it looks like we're trying to do to me. But unfortunately, we run it at a pace where like, you know, it's like listening to a voice note at half speed. It's like, mm. you can, like, it's like, everyone seems to be it's like they're walking through it in training sometimes like there's like there was one particularly catastrophic line out in the first half where like somebody bumped into Jack O'Donoghue yeah um no sorry not, not in the first in the second half, the start probably, second where, half. Yeah, yeah, yeah where somebody bumped into Jack O'Donoghue and like knocked him over um and we're just blowing like lads are taking really wide lines outside their pods to get back like it's very like you can see the way the stormers like even in that game they weren't moving around an awful lot to try and match what we mm. were doing because it was very very evident based on the feints like where the where the ball was going to and like which pod was getting it it just and in seems fairness, like, like... To... no go on no please please it just seems to me like none of the players are actually able to do it. Like, and and I know that that sounds that these are very talented players. These are these are champion players, and they are not incapable of learning how to do new things. I think we saw that, at, especially at the start of last season. But it and if it's something that they are so confident will start working that they're willing to run it and lose lineouts in these games, then fair enough. Like if we get to Christmas and this is you know gaining monster huge territory and they're winning penalties from it and they're scoring tries from it then you know we won't remember that it didn't really work in these few games because it was like a sort of teething process I suppose but it is so frustrating to watch because I'm kind of looking at it and I'm like I shouldn't be looking at something and think that I might be able to do it better than them and like sometimes I look at the lineouts and I'm just like it's just not good no absolutely not um but I think one thing as well that we like I think a mantra last season and like, you know, you see Wig like speak, like he spoke about it loads on if you watch Excess Monster, which is mm. the best four euro a month you'll ever spend. Honestly. Um, uh, if you saw like Wig always talked about trusting the process, trusting the process. Yeah, and which like, is why I'm know, sort of willing to, you know, put up with a, with a few like fucked up line outs because if this is going like because last season everything became something. I'm sort of more they have the benefit of the doubt because they did it last season so like they can do it this season but it to me it feels like they're trying to do something that even when it comes off I don't really know if Munster have a big enough pack at the moment to like get such an advantage from that mall that it, it it just doesn't I don't it just doesn't seem worth it right now. Yeah, but like when you think about who were like who we were missing in that pack um against the Stormers, like we were missing Jean Klein, who is so mm. crucial to everything we do, both at the breakdown and in set piece and just around the pitch. Like he's such a leader when it comes to like oh, like yeah. when you consider his work rate last season, the the amount of games he played, the amount of involvement he had, like he was an absolute titan. And like we haven't had a minute of JK um yet so far this season. Um like Edogbo is very much growing into like his enforcer role and like he's looked so impressive with all the rugby he's very played so far this season. Forget that he is 20 years old. Like that's the thing. I know he's played like, you know, nearly every minute of the season so far or whatever it is, but he is literally a child. He is literally a child. And like, you know, this was Tyg's first game back in after the World Cup. This was Pete O'Mahony's first game back in after the World Cup. And like, his last sorry I should yeah, have said Jesus. that yeah <laughs> that was that was so depressing like the idea but this is going to happen this always happens post World Cup 
like yeah and I and I do I do get what you're saying I I I think that um that's what I that's what I mean I think that like I'm willing to give them a benefit of the doubt there but it doesn't mean that it's not really fucking frustrating to watch all the time because it just looks it doesn't even look right it's not like it looks right and then you know it's an overthrow or it's stolen or whatever it just it just doesn't even look like a functioning line out when they do it no and the problem is then is like you know like the cynic in me would say like on a wet shitty night in Tolman Park just go banker ball like just Mm. put Tom O'Hearn up in the front of that line out or just put Big E or just put Ty Byrne up in the front of that line out and just go off too because in fairness like when our mall was set up we were getting purchased um on the stormers and there was a point there in the first half, if you recall, where there was a sequence of penalties given, there was a sequence of mall penalties conceded by the Stormers. And I genuinely mm-hmm. thought that we were going to put, like we were pushing for the penalty try at that point. And yeah. it was only when they actually got their shit together that, um, that you know, we, we I think we ended up leaving empty-handed, but we did get the Adogbo try before the... I think they they the, um they got the ball back in one of the malls, didn't they? Like Or they stole mm-hmm. one of the line-outs. I think Munster fumbled the ball because... I cannot stress enough how wet it was. I was told beforehand that it was going to be dry, that it was going to be a nice dry evening in Limerick. I, told, I, I told you, I told you that it was going to be a nice dry evening. Yeah, and I just don't really understand why you did that, but I should have known you were lying because I don't think that I've ever experienced dry weather in Limerick. Like four, no. well, I was going to say four years. I went to UL. I went to UL for like a year and a half, and the rest of it was in the pandemic. But like one time, it rained from November until February, and like we didn't see the sun one time, and. That's what I have to expect from Limerick. I this was my first time back in Thomond Park since forever, since eight hundred thousand years ago. It feels like, mm. um, and I just miss I missed the place so much. Like I've done a lot of traveling to stadiums over the last since the last time I was in Thomond Park. I've been in five different countries to watch rugby matches, which is stupid. That's too many countries. Yeah. But like, there is actually no comparison to Thomond Park, and I know that we have the the terrace battle but it doesn't even matter like I'd even go in the south terrace like it, there's just it's just the best stadium in the world it's the best place in the world and it felt so I felt so right being back there I was like all those other stadiums were just felt like an imposter when I was in them like I shouldn't be in the Stade de France I should be in Thoman Park and I'm- yeah like a janky win for Munster in horrible conditions in a really properly you know like as intense as the final was rugby match was kind of exactly what I wanted to see really yeah and like I suppose things that we have to consider here is like number one Munster the defending champions like they're they're coming they're like they're coming into this season in such like with such a huge target on their back that they didn't in case anyone had forgotten in case anyone had forgotten Munster won the URC away against the Stormers in South Africa after winning the semi-final away against Leinster in Dublin and after winning the quarterfinal away against Glasgow having previously drawn away to the Sharks and beaten the Stormers away down in South Africa what a run I mean you know to to have won down in South Africa against the Stormers twice in quite quick succession as it, it including in the final and then for them early in the season to have had the opportunity to come up and take one in Thoman Park and not be able to do it, it it's it, it's pretty sweet like it's undeniable this was it like and make no mistake that like the Stormers absolutely had that in mind like John Dobson absolutely had that in mind in terms of going up and putting manners on Munster and he the wanted Stormers to make he wanted to make Cape Town smile with that win you know, and yeah. Cape Town are not smiling. 
Well, unfortunately, he made Limerick grimace um, <laughs> instead of making Cape Town smile. Um, but like, I think the two things that Munster have found difficult to contend with this season is number one, the fact that other teams are raising their game against Munster now this season. Mm-hmm. Munster came into last season sort of like, you know, the typical narrative of like the faded glory, like, you know, they hadn't won anything in ages. They were kind of like, you know, I don't think you could really describe them as one of the heavyweights of the league anymore. No. And now they're de- they're the defending champions. So automatically, like you saw that with Treviso, you saw that with um, you saw that with the Stormers. Um, and I think one aspect of the game where that is really evident, particularly across the last five games, is the breakdown. Because like Munster's on ball game is so contingent on quick ruck ball, on like sub two and a half two second like I don't think you can get sub sub two second rock ball but like in or around two second rock ball um mm-hmm. and genuinely I think what what I've seen from a lot of teams and what I saw the Stormers did did the Stormers actually did it quite effectively was there and Ulster did it really well the week beforehand up in Belfast is they disrupted the breakdown and I think what's happening then as a result is like Craig Casey seems to then be taking it upon himself to be the generator of quick ball and he's forcing passes as a result like I don't think compared to his lofty standards that this has been a particularly good sequence of three games for Craig Casey. I don't think it's controversial to say that um he was he hasn't played at his best. And it like you say, it is one of those things that it's like we know how well these players can play and how well these players tend to play. So it's more noticeable when there is a a slight slip in form. And that's all it is. Like it's nothing more mm. than that. We're, we're. I feel like we're, we are being very negative about a game that was. Um, I thought highly entertaining. Like I had, a, I had a great time watching this game. I would have watched a thousand more minutes of it. I really enjoyed it. And a game that Munster did win. Like there were huge positives in there. I thought. Um, you know, you have the obvious ones of Edwin Adogbo just continuing to be insane. Mm. Um, you know, Gavin Coombs is absolutely running this monster pack at the moment I feel like yeah. outside of outside of the scrum like the 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 pack performance is like really the standards are really being driven by Gavin Coombs this season in a way that they were last season too but it's it's different now and it's more it's so much more complete than just you know give him the ball within three meters of the line until carry and score like it, there's so much more to what he's doing this season than that um and I thought I thought as well I thought Frisch and Mankabel played much better together in this game than they did last week. Like we, there was a lot of like this first week of a new partnership thing up at Ulster, which we didn't, we didn't record last week. And, you know, was that just because Munster lost maybe, Um, but we're back now because they won. But I thought that it was better this week and like Crowley played better with them. Crowley had such a good game. He Mm. just, he amazes me. Jack Crowley does every time I watch him play now. I think, um, yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't want to spend this podcast like shitting all over that performance because there are definitely positives to take from because it. Because we love and Monster and they won and they're in the top abs- half of the table and they're doing great. Yeah, and I well, mean, if you told me that, if you told me at this point last season that this would be Monster's first five games, I would have taken the hand and all off you. Yeah. Um, I think um, like starting from the back and working my way forward, I think the biggest compliment I can play Shane Daly this season is that as much as I love Mike Haley, we haven't missed Mike Haley because Shane yeah. Daly has been so good at fullback. And He's I filled into that role really well. With I, genuinely, of, yeah. I genuinely think it might be his best position. Mm. Yeah. Like, 
I think that there's a problem when Mike Haley comes back of, you know, there are, there are of course, things that Mike Haley brings to the game that Shane Daly doesn't. They have different strengths and mm. having them on the pitch together for so much of last season was such a strength. But Shane Daly has sort of, all of, not all of a sudden because he was incredible last season, but has sort of exploded out this season as this like elite fullback. And you're mm-hmm. sort of thinking, but Mike Haley was the elite fullback. But if we now have Shane Daly as an elite fullback, what are we going to do? Um, and those are that's a that's a good problem to have, like you know, yeah. depth. Who would have ever thought that we'd see Munster have some depth in the back three of all places? Um, <laughs> like speaking of which, like I genuinely think Calvin Nash has to be in the conversation for the 2024 Six Nations. Like he continues to evolve as a. Do player. you genuinely think that though? Um, I think it will depend on the injury profile of James Lowe, to be perfectly frank with you. I think he will make a squad. Like, I think he'll obviously be I behind. I think he should. Like, obviously, there's a there's a huge difference between X player should make the squad and X player will make the squad. 100%. We know that. 100%. But, like, whatever about Ireland, like, he's been phenomenal for Munster so far. Yeah. Like, he made the highest number of, I think he made the highest number of um, clean breaks for Munster. In the, no, he didn't make the highest number of clean breaks in this game because everyone, like, of all the clean breaks, um, everyone made one each. Um, like, um, I just I just think he's, like, he's definitely been, like, our standout back so far this season. I thought Frisch played better. I still don't think he's at the level of, like, Tony Fresh of... Um, of last season and again I think he's another guy who I think is trying to force it a bit slightly I'm really really impressed with what I've seen of Alex Nankovell um, I love Alex Nankovell and that moment where he um, threw the shoulder in on your man and put him into touch at near the end of the match and was it felt like one of those like Monster signing announces themselves as a monster player as opposed to just a signing. Like there is, you know, you can pinpoint over the years when monster signings have come in and had that moment that really announces them as you are now a monster player. And I felt like that was his, you know, he sort of, he let a roar up at the terrace and he was hyped up and it was Mm. not a particularly like hype up kind of game. But yeah. that was a huge moment. And I just think that he is, is so like so uniquely skilled. Like there once you don't have there aren't a lot of players in the league who are that mix of like baller and sort of he's he's almost he is like a hybrid. He's like a forward back. Hundred percent. I was I was just gonna say that like he plays like a pacey open side flanker who's got hands because yeah. like he carries with power. Um and that double shunt that like, you know, that double shunt was was a, a, a sight to behold. He got two turnovers in this game. He was just very good, like defensively in terms of his organization, in terms of his tackling. Like he's not afraid to get in and like try and turn over ball. Um, he's, basically, seen... he's basically John Hodnett, but with a mullet instead of a scrum cap. And a New Zealand accent. And like John Hodnett, who I also thought was excellent here, actually. I thought he had a really good game after he was quiet enough last week I thought he was much better this week I thought that the in the first half anyway like with O'Mahony there um I thought that back three played really well um that's a back three that I always have enjoyed seeing like over last season when it would be those three names I would enjoy it hugely the line out was obviously better when O'Mahony was there as line outs always are mm. um and 
I yeah, like I thought that there were positives. That, you know, the scrum was not one. The scrum was not one of them. Oh, no, Jesus! Um, the scrum was not. One. Scrum really is though against the South African sides. The scrum like, was fine in the first half. The thing is, the scrum is fine when John Ryan is playing. Yeah, and then like John Ryan leaves, and it's like, why can't we bring on John Ryan? That's the thing, and like it's unfortunate to see like the ghost of Stephen Archer coming off the bench for a guy who like reinvented what it was to be the tight be a tight head prop in like that title run. Maybe Stephen Archer is a warm weather player. Maybe we just need to pick Archie in all of the games where it's like above nineteen degrees and dry. I mean, a huge part of last season was how few minutes he played until like March and then how many minutes he played in March, April and May. And like maybe that is, you know, obviously the injury to Roman Salanoa is very unfortunately timed. Um, Some news that that broke last week that we hadn't yet covered was that Ollie Yeager has signed uh, an infinity year deal. And um, Mm. that is probably, I think the scrums in this game sort of, showed the why that was quite urgently you know done I suppose um he it seemingly he won't play this weekend but he we play next weekend or the weekend after um, next weekend is is December isn't it next weekend is December 1st and we're playing Glasgow down in Cork but like the thing about Jaeger is like I will hold my hands up and say I haven't watched a lot of super rugby but what I will caution about bringing up props from super rugby is like Michael Alalatoa looked like a good prop in super rugby and I mean, that's not Look, to Munster say that... signed Munster signed a prop from Super Rugby for this season, and it was John Ryan, and he's doing excellently. You know, that's true. So that's to true. have to have identified a second Irish qualified prop in the Super Rugby in New Zealand this season is is once again excellent business for Munster Rugby. I just want to talk about the best part of the Ali Yeager signer, which is that at signing, which is that he was talk actively talking to Leinster, and then we made an offer, and he decided. As a guy from Nace who went to Blackrock College, who probably grew up supporting Leinster, decided, nah, I'm gonna play for Munster instead. Like I Well, one of one of my favorite ever quotes in rugby was you remember there was about ten years where Leinster and Saracens were just sort of winning the Champions Cup, like fr- back from each other. Mm-hmm. They were just sort of the only two teams that mattered in Europe, really. Well, I was going to say, winning back from each other, uh, Leinster never beat Saracens in the final of the Champions Cup. That's excellent. I love that as a statistic. Yeah. You know, it, the years that somebody else would beat Saracens for them, then Leinster would win the Champions Cup and then exactly. Saracens would win it. And the sort of fight between them was never about, like, who could win the most Champions Cups, like, who could get their, their the most stars. Like, the star thing sort of came later. It was more about, like, who will prove themselves to be worthy of playing the Crusaders because the Crusaders were so dominant in New Zealand. I mm. mean, they still are, but like they were so, they basically just like, there was no point even doing Super Rugby because the Crusaders were just going to win it every year. And it was always like, when they do eventually do a North versus South, you know, club champions game, which they will do, will it be against Leinster or Saracens? Like who is worthy? And then they asked Sam Whitelock about it and he said, I'd love to play Munster. That'd be so cool. In like 2018, yeah. when Munster were an absolute nothing team in the European sense, hadn't won anything for 100 years. And that is something that warms my heart to this day. And of course, now Munster versus the Crusaders is happening um, in in a parky queef that will undoubtedly be sold out. I think it's practically... Yeah, like, there's I, only I think like, there's like four tickets left for that game. There's only tickets um, left in the city terrace. And... Like my genuine favorite thing about that is like, look, look, in the interest of balance, let us not forget that in terms of Leinster playing touring sides, they have played the mighty Chile in Donnybrook in front of a couple of hundred people. 
I'd love if Munster played Chile, honestly. I, just I think that's, that's a super cool touring side to play. Like, I mean, Munster have just played, you know, the Barbarians and South Africa and New Zealand and Australia. Just, and the Maori just sign my guy, and... sign my guy in Aki Ayurta. That's all I want. Honestly. But I think that, um, you know, Oli Yeager being a Crusaders player who is wanting to come and play in Ireland, you know, it's only it's only understandable that he would want to play for Munster as soon as they came knocking. And and with a long contract as well, it's clearly something that from an international point of view as well as from a Munster point of view. And I think it makes sense. You know, Salanoa, when he is not injured, is... I'm I'm a huge fan of Roman Salanoa. I really, yeah, really like too. the guy. And, I, and I'm, I, I'm, I think Munster are missing him. And I think that John Ryan, I've said it before, is one of the best scrummaging props certainly in Europe at the moment. Like he is so underrated, I feel, but he's not going to be playing forever. And no. so signing Oli Yeager, even if even if it if it transpires that he is nothing more than, you know, able to hold up the scrum, like that will do for now. Because so, the scrums in this game, you know, Munster need the scrum. I know that the scrum is not the be all and end all of a rugby game, but they do also need to be able to not have scrums like those, that sequence of scrums in the second half of this game. Absolutely. And like, we're not necessarily looking for someone to absolutely destroy their loose head. We're just looking for someone to lock out the tight head side. Yeah. I do think one thing about Jaeger, and it's, it's, it's a very underrated part of Salanoa's game as well, is how comfortable Salanoa is with the ball in hand. Like, I don't know if you remember the playoff run, but like, Salanoa was zipping some extraordinary passes. I do not um, remember anything about the playoff run. Um, stupidest at- three weeks of my life at certain points like he was absolutely zipping amazing passes and like you know he was very much viewed as like a ball carrying tight head who like because of the size fucking size of him um yeah. who could also scrummage but like he was he had surprisingly deft hands and i think jaeger with the type of game the crusaders would have played is very much used to playing like a similar type of high possession high territory game it could be talking yeah. shite i mean for all i know like the crusaders could be the most off ball team in existence um i think that he i think that the like and the Crusaders are the way the club teams in New Zealand play. It like the, they approach rugby differently to the way that you know in like historically and traditionally, I suppose like Irish and English teams would have. And I think that it, that would lend him well to learning how to play the way that Munster want will want him to play because that's an underrated part of John Ryan's game as well. Actually, is he's actually got quite good hands. Like he is, mm. and that was be- like that was before he went to New Zealand. You know when he before he went to any of the 63 clubs that he played at last season, like he's, he's always been pretty comfortable with the little pop pass or two. And, you know, a little shimmy step. I, I love John Ryan. I'm such a huge fan of John Ryan. I know. I know. I'd never have guessed Patricia. Um, <laughs> but, but I um... think that, um, I think that this Stormers game, it was, it was four points in the back. Like that's, that's sort of what you can hope for really. And, you know, there are still, work-ons but at this point in the season especially after a world cup season like there is no team who doesn't have a huge amount of work-ons at this point absolutely and like i think what you have to also acknowledge within the wider context of monsters um first kind of five games is we are invariably winning games that we would have lost last season we are winning games or drawing games that we would have lost last season 100 like, percent. we absolutely would have lost um that benetton game last season we probably would have drawn if not lost that stormers game last season like i think that only... ulster loss would have been heavier um because you know arguably monster 
could have, should have, would have won that game too. Mm. Um, yeah, like the, it would have been it, the 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 sort of picture of the season would be a lot different now. Um, had this been the opening run of games last season, um, those five games would have ended massively differently. And I think that there's a danger of like comparing it to the opening run of last season too much in terms of like, you know, things might be bad, but they're not as bad as they were last season. And I don't think that things are necessarily bad. Um, There are things that could be better, but like name a team that doesn't have something that could be better, you know? Yeah. Leinster lost a regular season game. Like everyone's, everyone's getting their internationals back at different rates at different times. And it's a bit disjointed, but it's, I don't think that it's like, oh, Munster are now suddenly a terrible rugby team when they were winning the league six months ago. A hundred percent. But like, look also at the players that we've selected from this season. Like, you know, Ethan Coughlin has started two games for Munster so far this season. Like Joey Carberry played all of that Treviso game on a broken wrist. Yeah. Um, Like we have a 20-year-old and a 23-year-old in Edwin Adogbo and Thomas Ahern playing like serious minutes at second row um, alongside Finneen Witcherly, who is effectively like the Billy Holland regen of um, of this squad now. Um, and and he's only like, what, 25 or something? And he's like the old head in the second row now. It's, it, it, it's so weird how you sort of end up with this warped view of what seniority is from a monster sense because you have like... John Hodnett and Gavin Coombs, who are the senior back row players who are like 24 and 25. I I, I genuinely think like Finneen for me is like the guy who kept being picked because our second row stocks were Finneen Witcherly and three children in a trench coat um, <laughs> last season. Like that was the, um, that was the, like that, I think that's why we all like, I think Finneen Witcherly aged about seven years in all of our heads, given the amount of games he played last season. But like, you know, we're bringing in Brian Gleeson, we're bringing in Ben O'Connor, like Tony Butler started that game against the Dragons down in Cork. Yeah. Like we, like Shane McCarthy has um started three games out of five for Munster so far, you know? like And those are, are gen- good things. Those are good things. And even 100%. if it does, even if it does lead to like the performances feeling a bit disjointed, they're not they're not it's not leading to losses and that is like those players getting those minutes especially in a game like this stormers one so you had like you had the likes of you know another a huge performance for a dog bow you had Shane McCarthy playing the 80 minutes like the that's what those players need like there's no point in sort of sheltering them for the easy games you know they need to play the games like the, like this one this is it like i mean Kieran Ryan has played um a good amount of rugby so far this season, like Mark Donnelly and um, I think Darren, Mc- no, not Darren McSweeney, like Mark Donnelly has played has played rugby this season so far. Yeah. Like you know, um, eighty minutes for Scott Buckley, who it, is also like, massively inexperienced. Like and genuinely, like you said it, you said it towards the start of the show there. But like I thought Scott Buckley had a very very creditable performance, and that is yeah. not an attempt to damn with faint praise. No, like, not at I've all. Seen, I've seen Scotty Bucks come on and be like extremely nervous. Um, um, and uh, like I've heard, I think it was Tom Savage, shout out to Tom, uh, talked about, um, uh, talked previously about the idea that like you can nearly be more nervous coming off the bench than you can start. Yeah, that you're, like, you're sort of psyching yourself out with the like expectation of when are you coming on? What are you going to have to do when you come on? What's the game going to look like when you come on? Whereas he was able to start and just go and burst at it from minute one. Um, 100%. I like I do think that I still and maybe I am, you know, naive and I have 
you know, red tinted glasses on, but I still think that this fight, if you take five, because five games is a pretty handy amount to take as like a, a block. I know that the block is seven games, still two more games in the block, but like to take these five games, I still think that Munster season so far is on the positive side more than the negative side. If you were going to like black and white it like that, I still think that this is a, an overall positive run of five games. I think, like, genuinely, the first five games doesn't write a season. The last, like, the I last think we, three... I think we know that. No, but 100%, like, but particularly in the URC where there's playoffs, the only games that really fucking matter at the end of the day are the last three games in the playoffs at the end of the season. And, yeah. like, if Munster go on again to either make the final of the URC or retain the URC... Which like, they will. We won't, we won't remember these five games. Like, we no, won't that's remember the thing. The, we won't remember the pissing rain in Tolman Park. Like we won't remember Frank doing Frank things up in um up in Ravenhill. Like look, Munster you know, lost to the Dragons in their opening run last season, and they beat the Dragons in their opening run this season, and that is tangible and credible improvement. I mean, the Dragons are also calling up like local sixteen-year-olds who happen to be walking near Rodney. Parade, Literally, so. just random guys from Gwent who they just saw on the road and went here mm. to want to play a rugby game. Um, do we have anything else to say on the Stormers game? Um, I think on the Stormers game, uh, just I suppose one thing I wanted to talk about was like you alluded to it there earlier, but like it cannot be overstated just how fucking good Jack Crowley was. Like how much he absolutely bossed that game, how much he relieved pressure. Um, Like I thought Connor Murray did the exact same thing when he came on the end. Connor does what Connor does, which is like, oh, this game is chaotic and messy. A monster might lose. Guess I better close it out and win the game for us. He's Um, such a classy substitute to have at this stage of his career. And the way that he the way that he plays when he comes on for sort of 15, 20 minutes is so like it, it, it almost cannot be overstated, like how valuable having a substitute like that is. He is an absolute like you just would always want him you would always want to see him there to close that game out I like when they pick you know Casey and Patterson and they go full mental I enjoy that but it it always feels a little bit more assured and you're a little bit more it's like having an extra blanket in the bed like you're just a little bit more comfortable when you see Conor Murray's name there 100% and I thought with Crowley as well like there was there was like there was two dog shots went in on Crowley mm-hmm. that I cannot believe did not get referred up to the TMO. Like there was a pure shoulders, the head, zero mitigate mitigation. Like that is a red card hit went in on Jack Crowley. Um, and both times, like there was one point in the first half where he was down and I was like, Oh cool. I guess Rory Scanlon is playing 10 for the rest of the game. No, sl- no shade on Rory. Like Rory's very like, great servant to the club but he's not a 10 but he's not a 10 like I, I and i remember those games where we tried to play rory scannell at 10 that did not to be out. honest that's that's funny that that was your thought process because when that shot went in on Crowley, that same shot i thought oh my god is this finally the time i get my casey murray halfback pairing that i've oh been dreaming god. of since literally like craig casey's first ireland under 20s game i was like give me like at three minutes of a game where murray's playing a 10 and he's playing at nine i just want to see it that would be incredible, but um, but no, thankfully, Jack Crowley... Crowley was fine and bossed the rest of that game. You know, they they were full on, like, you know, essentially going out and like having red dots put on his forehead, like out there, and he was he just handled it. It's like it's like he absorbs hatred and gets stronger from it. It's he like when like... someone no go on, he's like a Kirby. That's exactly it. He just like I wouldn't be surprised if he just like gobbled up like Evan Roos and then all of a sudden was like ten foot tall. 
he plays like a player who has like at least five more years of career under his belt than he does. He's a remarkable young player. Um, and, you know, it, it's it can't really like, he, he will be heading to the Aviva Stadium on, on Saturday with no fear, no hang up, none, nothing but good memories. And a lot of that squad will be the same. And it, it cannot be like, you can't say enough how important that is and how refreshing that is because this is my least favorite fixture in the Munster rugby calendar the October the October away game against Leinster I wish it didn't exist I wish it didn't have to happen I wish I didn't live so conveniently uh to get to Dublin so that I wouldn't have to fucking go to it every year um I was really looking forward to not going to it this year I made like a conscious choice to not go I was like I'm gonna sit at home I'm gonna watch the Aviva game I'm not gonna have to get a shitty 10 o'clock Wexford bus home that doesn't get me back home until you know one o'clock in the morning I'm gonna sit at home and watch it and it'll be a loss and I'll just go to bed and it'll be fine and now I am of course going to the game to watch it we're watching this game together in fact we yes we be... are we're going to be in Cull Corner in block 5110 going feral um yeah, so Munster away against Leinster on Saturday evening, uh, the traditional October away in the Aviva Stadium game. Yeah. We have got we have got player updates. Um, I love when Munster do a squad update that's basically like we don't really have an update. So you know, fuck you guys. But yeah. um, we've John Clayne back in training, which praise the Lord, he's finally finished. You know, drinking, skitting, celebrating, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Dara Barron is also. Available this weekend after um he missed last weekend because of HIA. Mm-hmm. Um and we are going to be without Peter O'Mahony and Jack Wadonhu, I believe. Well they've they've said that Peter O'Mahony and Jack Wadonhu are going for uh, scans on respective injuries. But yeah. given, you know, seeing both of those players uh in the immediate aftermath of both of those injuries, you know, I don't think we'll be seeing Peter O'Mahony or Jack Wadonhu for a while. No, um, like Petey was up in a sling after after the match and like Jack just had a really, really awkward fall. And like in fairness to Jack, like, sorry, I know we're previewing that Instagram. Jack like fine. picked himself up and made several yeah. tackles and then just collapsed on a knee that was no longer working when the final was yeah. in blue. It was um, Peter O'Mahony hurt his shoulder like somewhere in the build up to the try. It was and, and as the team, the team sort of huddled by the tunnel while Crowley was kicking the conversion because it was halftime. Um, so they were just sort of waiting for him. And one of my, uh, we have a little gang in the East Terrace. We all come from different places, but we all always stand in the same place. So we have become firm friends. Paul said, um, yeah, well, Mahoney's arm is not really in his in his socket there. And I was like, Paul, don't bring this negative energy towards me right now. But it was very much just dangling lifeless at, at, at his side. Um, it, you hate to even just you fucking hate to see it. Speaking of oh, Peter O'Mahony, we did have the news today that um he'll step down as Munster captain, um, which look I I don't think is the like you know catastrophic oh my god what the fuck thing that some people are making out that it is, but he has been Munster captain for ten years and that's just a really really long time and it's just really weird to think that somebody else is going to be Munster captain now. 100% and like there's a lot of theories like there's some talk that Petey's stepping back because like Andy Farrell is offered him the Ireland captaincy my theory is that Petey has one more year left in him like the dude's 34 years old I think he wants to probably retire from rugby at the end of this season and just go back gardening I think he could have um, been Ireland and Munster captain and I don't doubt that like he probably has been offered the Ireland captaincy but I don't think that that particularly plays into choosing to you know not be Munster captain I think it's an it's a good time to do it because 
whoever takes over, you're looking at ideally another long-term captain and to give them a year of captaining while Pedro O'Mahony is still around and involved, I think is mm-hmm. invaluable to have a leader like that and a captain like that to learn from. I, I- I would like, I think with, with him stepping back, he leaves a really solid kind of like core leadership group within the team, yeah. which is like, you know, the likes of Craig Casey, Jack Crowley, um, like Jack O'Donoghue, um, Tyg Byrne, Dearman Barron. Like those are guys who are like solid leaders in the squad. Hear me mm-hmm. out for a proposal though, right? Leinster went with two co-captains this season in Gary Ringrose and James Ryan. 15 co-captains. No, 23 co-captains. So whenever Everybody like, wins. Whenever Craig, Chris Chris Busby, like, you know, calls over a captain, like everyone walks over to him. Even, even the, the subs. subs. <laughs> even the subs. All all 23 players, like, fuck it, bring Andy Kiriakou and Mossy Lawler down from the coach's box and get them to come on and listen to him as well. 23 co It sounds perfect. And if Andy, then, if, if Andy Kiriakou did come down from the coaching box, what do you think that would sound like? I mean, I would assume it would sound like Andy Kiriakou talking to a referee, Patricia. Um, but um, what you call it? Um, like, imagine, because the referee is always like, you know, Captain, you're the only voice I want to hear on the pitch. Like, you know, that just gives all 15 players an entitlement to, like, speak to the referee, you know? If you like, had to captain? guess. Yes. If you had to guess, who do you think it'll be? Um, I think, I personally think it's going to be Dermot Barron. Okay. Um, but I also think it could equally be Tyg Byrne. But I do also finally think in terms of like guaranteed starters, I, I think your only two guaranteed starters out of like the cohort that I mentioned are um, Jack Crowley and Tyg Byrne. Um, mm-hmm. I do think we'll probably still see some alternation between Connor Murray and Craig Casey this season in kind of a horses for courses approach. Um and you know what? After the way he fucking bossed it against the Stormers, fuck it. Give it to Jack. And I could you know, see them giving it to Crowley. I, I could see them giving it to Tigburn for this season um, and sort of like making the transition a little bit less going straight from Pedro O'Mahony to, um, to Jack Crowley. But I could see it being Jack Crowley. I could see it being Jack Crowley. Like if I think about Munster in five years and who do I think, who could I see out of who's playing now being the captain. Like Jack Hurley is the name that stands out for me straight away. He's just like, even his post-match interview, like, you know, talking about the group of players that they have. And like, he's just so fucking assured. Like that semi-final in, um, that semi-final in the Aviva where he just like, so calmly just sauntered back into the pocket was just like give me the ball he didn't even have a lot of space between him and the defenders he had like two or three Leinster players like charging down them and he just like the second that ball left his boot he was like yep we've won yeah yeah um one thing that I found mental from this um this statement about Peter O'Mahony stepping down as Munster captain after 10 years was where it says O'Mahony first captain Munster in a competitive game on September 3rd, 2011. He was 21 and it was his 12th appearance for the province. Yep. And I just don't think that, you know, not to go all misty eyed and when will we see your like again, but I don't think that we will. No, I don't think we will. And I think the the challenge with Peter O'Mahony is Peter O'Mahony is a player who deserved to live so much more silverware than he actually did in his career. Like mm-hmm. the challenge with Peter Romani is like Peter Romani came in, as you mentioned there, into like the squad in 2011 when his like when Leinster were really at the peak of their like terrifying Joe Schmidt powers. 
Um, you know, they won back to back Heineken Cups in 2011 and 2012. Um, they really started to become like they 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 still hadn't become overly like massively dominant in the interprovincial rivalries either. Like, you know, even under like say um Well, you know, Munster uh, won the league in 2011. So Exactly. And like under Rob Penny and under kind of like um even under Axel, like I'm, do you remember like under Axel we beat them in the Aviva? Like, do you remember Jimmy Gopperth was playing 10 for them and he threw an awful pass that... Um, was Axel the coach that year? Axel was the coach when we tra- when we thrashed them wow. up. Wow. I, I was at that game um, 2014. Yeah. No, like Robin yeah. Copeland, James Cronin, like Ian Keatley scored a fabulous try. Um, It was like an intercept from 60 metres. Like I remember JJ Hanrahan kicking a great penalty. Like it was it was brilliant. So like it was really only under the Johan van Graan era that like Leinster winning both of those interpros became a foregone conclusion. Like I'm fairly certain we only beat Leinster twice in all of the interpros that um Johan Yeah, they won. We won one in Thoman Park and there was the Rainbow Cup, which I don't count. Doesn't no, count. nobody nobody counts that Rainbow Cup one. But like, you know, it was a foregone conclusion for a long time that Leinster were going to like get the get the double over Munster and they were invariably going to beat them in the semi-final of the league um when they played. Them. <laughs> Not anymore. Well, like okay, so I think even when you think about the players that are available uh to us um this weekend, like Are I Leinster think still it... probably favoured to win this game? Yes. Do 100%. I give hundred percent? No. Do like will I be delighted if we come away from this with a losing bonus point? I absolutely fucking will. Will right? you? Because I'd be really fucking moody if not. No, because right now, right now, okay, I think it's the fact that I live in Limerick, you know, I live like I'm firmly ensconced in the heart of Munster Rugby. Like I don't live in Dublin anymore. And much like you, when I moved away from Dublin like three years ago, I swore I would never return to this fixture, and I've been back to it twice since. Um I like For the record, really... I don't live in Dublin. That's okay. That's a very important thing to confirm. I just don't need. The, I, I just don't want the you know the, the false narratives to start swirling. Um, I genuinely am like you know my intensity levels are quite low. I'm like yeah whatever cool, and then I guarantee you by the time I get off the train in Houston and I see the first like you know Hugo Boss, Tarquin Cruz, O'Brien, Donnelly, Flynn, um, wearing his blue and having sank six points of Heinemite with guys, and he's got a a, sc- a scarf hanging off of his uh, neck that says "Thank you, Johnny" on it. I don't um, even want to go. I don't even want to go anymore. Like it's getting to the point where like apparently they're going to bring out Johnny Sexton at halftime for like a "Thank you, Johnny," and I'm going to boo him. Like I'm going to boo him. That's how much I I will they're fucking gonna hate, hate bring Leinster. him out and let him play the second half. That is genuinely how much that is genuinely how little faith Leo Cullen has in Ross Byrne. And um that is genuinely how much I will hate Leinster come like half six on Saturday. Like that game, like I was there for the game that we lost 27-13. And like genuinely, like when you look at that team, it was like Pack was okay. It was Lockman, Baron, Knox, Clayne, Ahern, O'Donoghue, Hodnett, Coombs, um, Murray, Carberry, and then like eleven to fifteen is just like you know, a Gleason's League seconds game where you're like <laughs> ringing someone up and they're four pints deep and it's like, listen, just have a fucking Dior like and get in the bus, you'll be grand. Um, because it was Liam Coombs, Rory Scannell, Dan Goggin, Shane Daly, and Jack Crowley playing fullback. My God. You know, I was at that game too, and I often forget um that 
it ended the like that the scoreline was because Leinster won that by quite a lot like 27-13 is quite a broad scoreline yeah, but, but it was it, like it didn't feel like that but then you name that team and I'm like how did that team not get like 45 put on them at 100... that point of the season 100% and I was sitting there with two Leinster supporting friends and one of them turned around to me and he was like you're unbelievably chipper after a game where like you shipped a try bonus point and I was like yeah I was like because did you see Ruan Quinn fucking melting someone when he came on you know did you see like Liam Coombs score a really good try where like Gavin yeah. passed the ball like Gavin gave a really nice pass out to him like I remember Jack was really assured at full back um, I remember poor old James French though do you remember Keenan Knox went off and they moved Lockman over to Tighthead instead yeah, of bringing instead on of James bringing- James French on I do remember that now that you say it I remember there was this sort of phase last season and it 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 might have started the week before this fixture last season where Crowley and Carberry were on the pitch at the same time and you could almost see like visibly Carberry it was like it was like someone poured water on a flower like he just sort of his confidence just sort of perked up yeah like you could see him absorbing the confidence oh sorry having (laughs) <laughs> you could see him having the confidence of like someone else who can run the game being on the pitch yeah. with him and he felt so much like he felt it felt like he felt freed up and he played they played really well sort of I think it was this game and the one before where they were both on the pitch together it got the best out of Carberry um, mm. and there were there were that game felt like a, a almost like a turning point in last season even though it was a bonus point loss and it's it's a weird one and I if, if this if the game ended 27-13 on Saturday evening I would not be happy about it but I just I can't go again and watch them lose again I just don't want to do it anymore the thing is though is like I genuinely think Leinster are going to put out all of their category A starters against us like I do think this is going to be like Porter, Sheehan, Furlong um uh, James Ryan, um, possibly like Ross Maloney, because they have seemed to have figured out what a shit player Jason Jenkins is. Um, uh, Who like, rugby? Yeah, like Doris, uh, Doris van der Fleer, um, uh, Jack Conan, of course, of course, I'd forget Jack Conan. Um, oh like, no, all of the bottlers are going to be playing. Whatever shall we do? Yeah, probably, possibly like James Gibson Park, who got like absolutely turned inside out by like you know, fucking Scarlet's Frankenstein player number 72 playing that like, playing scrum half. was so life-affirming. I love when a professional rugby player does something that makes you go, he's just like me. Because yeah. personally, that is that is how I would react to some random Welsh guy running towards me too. And it's just yeah. really nice to see like the human side of rugby players, I feel sometimes. 100%. I think it's going to be very I was just to going to say, do you think Johnny will start this one? And I wasn't even going to be joking. No, I like it genuinely would not surprise me that that, you know, like a WWE match where it's like, you know, like they like when The Undertaker used to make a comeback and they'd bring out a coffin and he'd pop up out of it. Like, um, that they, they could do that with Johnny Sexton. It, I do think it's going to be really interesting to see who they start out of Sam Burr, uh, Sam Prendergast and Ross Byrne. They're also fucking interchangeable. I'm mixing up their names. Um, I oh, do God. think it's going to be super interesting to see who they um pick out of Prendergast and Byrne. I but think that go- they will start Prendergast, but they will put like everybody else in that team will be will have been in the Ireland World Cup squad essentially, and then it'll just yeah. be Sam Prendergast. Um, I don't think that matters to be honest. I. I I do think that it's it's easy to sort of use it as something to laugh at now that we are back to this team being Leinster instead of Ireland because when this exact team were Ireland you kind of had to not laugh at them 
for a, a few weeks, you know, and I wanted Ireland to win the World Cup, don't get me wrong. But, yeah. you know, it was when it went wrong, it was very difficult to talk about it going wrong because it was very automatically, well, you would say that you're a monster supporter. And you know what? That's fair enough. That's a box I put myself in. And, I, and I'm happy to live there. I love living there. But I do think that everything that went wrong for this group of players from an Ireland point of view is not going to have just magically gone away now that they're wearing a blue jersey again. Like the thing about that is, is like who would have thought that a team made up primarily of a club side that lost two European finals where they were at one point leading comfortably uh, in the last nil against the same side and then went on to lose um, a semi-final of the league at home um, against like their apparently they're like, you know, biggest provincial rivals. Sorry, they went on to lose two semi-finals in the league at home. Yes, yes, because they lost to the Bulls, and they lost to the Bulls with pretty much a Category A team at the time, as I recall correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so like the thing about it is, is like who would have thought that this team of bottlers would bottle it again? And lo and who could have ever seen this coming? Why didn't anybody warn them? Now, I think it is crucial to note that, like, I don't think that this is the game that they will bottle like I would expect us to go with um I'd say probably like Lockman, Baron, Ryan um mm. uh I would imagine then it would probably be Jean Klein and Edwin Adogbo in the second row because now that, Jean Klein, now that Jean oh, Klein is non-Irish qualified yeah. we're gonna flog the shit out of him because we <laughs> might also, not have him for much longer also Peter O'Mahony is injured so they can push tight burn back and what then burn yeah. Hodna Coombs I think it's gonna be burn Hodna Coombs um, I love that I think I think then I would personally go with Connor Murray um, mm-hmm. and Jack Crowley because I'd probably I just, agree with you. Yeah, I just think Craig needs to cool down a small bit, and he'll. My be problem so- is I want to start Connor Murray, but I also want Connor Murray to come off the bench, kind of like with John Ryan. Like if we had two Connor Murrays and we could start Connor Murray and also have Connor Murray come off the bench to close the game in the composed, classy Connor Murray way, that's my ideal for this game. But obviously, that that it doesn't work like that. But equally, when Leinster bring on, like, I don't know, fucking Thomas Clarkson and such luminaries as Max Deegan off the bench, you know, or like, I don't know, Alex Soroka or whoever, like, I don't know, Jimmy O'Brien playing at like on the wing forward because he's all he's a fabulous player like Reese Ruddock, Reese Ruddock or some shit like yeah, Reese yeah. Ruddock or some shit like I want Craig Casey coming on being like. Fuck you, Wig. You shouldn't have dropped me. I'm gonna show what I I'll show you. Yeah, what I can do. that is fair. I want, I want feral goblin Craig Casey. I want Craig Casey to like be sent off because he has bitten a chunk out of someone's thigh. Like that's the Craig Look, Casey that I want. Biting a sense. chunk out of someone's thigh doesn't always get you sent off because I remember when bits of Niall Scannell were scattered around the pitch in that oh, game no. in Thorn Park and Jesus Christ. wrong company to bring that up in but I mean um, <laughs> I, I also remember when Devin Toner got away with targeting Gavin Coombs's knee and you know there wasn't so much as a card um look it's it, it it'd be like that sometimes I do, do agree like with I do I do agree with you um not massively well actually not at all related to this game but um Craig Casey was at the Heineken Cup launch um was it today or was it yesterday today, today. and I I really enjoyed uh, one how close he was stood to the trophy in every photo because you know it he he was there he was like yeah I'm bringing this trophy home with me at the end of the season mm-hmm. but I really enjoyed the the first photo where they had all the captains lined up and it wasn't based on you know winners runners up semi finalists or whatever because Toulouse were all the way over at the end and Craig was right in the middle but they had Craig Casey and Raymond Rule 
and then Gary Ringrose sort of in between them. And I just personally really enjoyed that. Like, there's the, you know, having the the two the defending two time Heineken Cup champions in La Rochelle and you know the team who they beat in both of those finals with the the human equivalent in Craig Casey of basically like when a blue bottle flies around your ear and it makes that horrible mm. buzzing sound like right in your ear and it's oh, it's disgusting like for Gary Ringrose who have just had to stand there and have those two guys you know I hope that they talked really loudly about how good it felt to win trophies this season I in, fucking in your shot of Gary Ringrose like I really hope that like similar to how Gav Coombs won his Euro- URC champions baseball cap to uh, Ireland training, which I firmly believe is the reason why he got dropped because it upset Johnny. Um, I really hope that Craig Casey like wore his URC winners medal. I hope that Raymond Rule won his like two champions cup winners medals, and Raymond was just like, "Oh, Craig, can I see your URC uh, winners medal?" And he was like, "Yes, Raymond, but only if I can see your two, um, <laughs> your two. And then Gary's just like, "I want a, I want a Grand Slam medal," and Craig's like, "Shut up, so did I." You yeah, know? Craig's like, I literally have one of those. Unfortunately, yeah. Craig Casey couldn't wear his URC champions cap to the Heineken Cup launch because, um, as you'll be able to see, it's up there. It, it is in my bedroom for some unknown god-awful reason. That's something Again, I this know. This is an audio medium. The listeners can't see that. But yeah, but you could see it. Okay. Patricia doesn't have it. She's lying. Um, <laughs> I made it up. Yeah. Source, I made it up. Um, <laughs> Me when yeah. I spread misinformation over the internet. Yeah, but genuinely, I I also think one thing that I like, I think the only position that I'm unsure about for Munster in the back line from 11 to 15, like I do expect us to go like Nank Frisch, um, uh, uh, Nash and Daly. I think we will go Mm -hmm. with Sean O'Brien on the left wing um, because I thought Shane McCarthy looked a small bit shaky, particularly under the high ball. Um, And I do think that I do think that Leinster as a primarily off ball team are going to try and target our back three um, uh, in this game. Now, are we still in a place in this fixture where we are more, we want to see the performance more than the result? No, fuck that. I want to win. Like genuinely, genuinely, like we're the defending champions. We should be going into every game assuming to win. And especially if we are picking our category A starters, we should be assuming to win. You know, there was always a thing of it. It it wouldn't matter if Munster lost this fixture as long as they didn't just, you know, lie down and let Leinster walk over them to the try line. And in the three games that Munster have played against Leinster since Graham Rowntree took over as head coach, that has not happened in any of them. We had, of course, the 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 sort of wider loss in this away fixture last season it was the one point loss on St Stephen's Day in Thoman Park, mm. um, which was an awful game to leave. Like leaving Thoman Park that day, actually felt like physically unwell. Disgusting. But Munster showed up. It was not one of those ones where they just let Leinster win. And then of course we had the semi final win. Um, so I I'm not I'm no longer worried about Munster doing that Munster thing of like mm. you know it was you know they were all you know bearing their teeth and biting until it got to a Leinster game and it, you realise that the teeth were actually dentures and they left them at home that day. But I do think that there is n- still not an expectation for Munster to go and win this game, which I kind of think is a bit weird, to be honest. I think I think the other thing as well to be cognizant of is I like I genuinely wonder, and I'm contradicting myself here, but I genuinely wonder will Leinster front up all of their Category A starters? Because when you consider that, they have the spectre of La Rochelle looming in two weeks' time. Like, they have Connacht after us, which will be... I would have said, like, would which ordinarily would have been a handy enough game, but, like, Connacht are the only unbeaten team in the league right now, right? 
Connacht um, having a really interesting start to the season in that they're just winning. Connacht had a really sorry, no, um, they my, lost uh, one game, didn't they? They, they uh, oh no, I'm looking at last season's table. What Connacht lost? Connacht um, lost to to Edinburgh there because Ben Healy kicked that did, drop goal. Yes, but yes, it was yes, really yes. actually a poor play from Ben Healy to win his team that game because he should have instead pretended that they might score a try. Yeah, um, that's what so, I read in the newspaper. Yeah, um, but like. <laughs> yeah, like imagine Ben Healy winning his team a game, and it's like, no, but you didn't win it the right way. Um, like I do I... think that they will pretend that the that this that these players have to play a game together to get them warmed up to play against La Rochelle, even though all they've done for the last four fucking years is play games together in blue and green jerseys every single fucking week. But I do think that Leinster will load up quite strongly, and I and because there will be an element of we need to win this game because we lost, you know, our last two big games we played in the Aviva Stadium, we lost them and they will not want to do that again mm. in front of a home crowd of Tarquin and, you know, Hugo and Neil and and, and the boys, especially with Johnny there, you know, le- leering over them from the sideline, probably so, wearing his jeans and, you know, getting ready to shout at a referee if something doesn't go his way, like he's, he'll be there. So Mm. The one thing I will say, though, is like coming into this game is that Leinster's death chart is going to be quite callow um, in certain positions. Right. So like in Loosehead, you're in Loosehead, like Keen Healy is still out injured. So you're going to have either like Jack Boyle or uh, Ed Byrne on the bench, probably Jack Boyle, because in fairness, you know, he started the season well. Why not reward him? Like bench wise is going to be either like Clarkson or Alalatoa behind Furlong, like neither would put the fear of God into you. Um, Like scrum half. Like Luke McGrath or Finton Gunn, I don't care which e- either one. Like, you know, someone like, like it's just. I don't mean it to sound can... disrespectful to either substitute front row, but I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens when this replacement monster front row comes up against like a front row that could be considered their level. Mm. I think that that will be really interesting. And that's the thing. It's like, I don't think that Leinster, even with their category A starters, are going to be as good of a scrummaging threat like no as because the Storm John Ryan instance. will look at Andrew Porter and just start laughing like, like the, the, you know he can there's no way that he can't handle Andrew Porter he'll be like look this is how you're supposed to scrummage in a straight line and Andrew Porter will just start crying like there's there's no way that it, I, I do think that you know after the semi-final and look that was one game that Munster won by one point it's not the be all and end all of you know it doesn't mean that Munster are going mm. to beat Leinster every time they play them forever now but they are not going up there with the baggage of losing all of these fixtures. They're not going up there, you know, they're going up there knowing how to beat these players, knowing exactly where these players are fallible. And, you know, a lot of them just spent an Ireland camp, well, not a lot of them, like three of the Munster players just spent an Ireland camp with these players and know exactly where they're fallible. And I just think that, I think the the bookies have it as like an 11 point game for Leinster or something. I don't, I don't understand how odds work. So I don't really know what I that mean, means, but I, I don't think that's the worst call in the world. Like, I mean, I, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me for Leinster to, um, for Leinster to like genuinely pull away a bit, pull away a bit on us if they get a bit of a run. But like, if you look at Leinster's opening five games, right. So they've played Glasgow, the Sharks who are like categorically. So bad. They are, they are rooted rock bottom on the table. Edinburgh, um, the Dragons, 
and now all no not the, the dragons sorry the dragons and the scarlets right yeah so out of that they have played like two semi creditable teams okay they, they got, played one they played one good team and one decent team because Glasgow are a good team until it's a playoff game kind of like Leinster but yeah you know and Edinburgh are like decent Edinburgh and then the rest of them was the Sharks and Welsh Regents. Edinburgh got within nine points then, right? Um, they got hammered by Glasgow, okay? And then when you look at like our opening round, which was, you know, um Shar- like uh Sharks, Treviso, who I think are like a miles better team than any of the Welsh regions um oh, yeah. so far this season. Um Dragons, Ulster, and Stormers. Like I genuinely believe, and this is not hopium, like I genuinely believe that we have had the more difficult run in um, oh, 100%. this game. Like we have we have had more difficult hitouts. I think Leinster have like very much been picking up the PlayStation controller on very easy and running in tries for fun. Um, like that bit in Rugby 08 where you used to get your loose head prop to kick conversions. Um the the like, difference is that, you know. Leinster like the even take last weekend's games like Leinster's game against the Scarlets will absolutely stand to them nothing for this game whereas Munster played a real intense actual rugby match against actual rugby players that they had to actually fight to win and that is what they'll need to do for this game and I think that that having that that's so much more valuable than if they had gotten to beat no Zebra by 40 points or whatever. 100%. If we can fuck up the breakdown, and by fuck up the breakdown, I don't mean get it wrong. I mean, like, if John Klein can come in and put some manners on people, if Ty can start poaching some... And, and Ty can start po- poaching some um, turnovers and Big E can kind of like show people what he's made of. Like if we can get the breakdown right, we have a genuine solid chance in this game. Like mm-hmm. I expect us to hold them in the scrum. Um, I really fucking hope we'll have sorted our line out issues by then because I cannot stand another sight of like Munster having a line out five meters out from the opposition try line. And like, you know, this like three stooges trying to run through the same, the one door at the same time. Shit happening in the line out. Like that just boils my piss um and i can't like if we can shore up the set piece if we can and like genuinely i think with jk back i do not think our rock work will be as poor as it has been in previous games um and i think if we can shore that up i do think we have a decent chance we need to be hanging in an we need to be hanging on there in around 60 minutes and like that's what i genuinely loved about the game the semi-final up in the up in um the Aviva last season was that like you know they scored the Jenkins try just before half time. We scored the only we scored the burn try. Then they scored. Was it like who was it like Keen Healy or someone went over or mm. I, I can't remember. It was some. I think it was Keen Healy. Yeah, and then like we just very confidently went down and we were like, yeah, no problem. Let's go fucking do it. Like the forecast is dry and cold. Um, I don't believe you. I wouldn't believe me after the last time either. <laughs> I'm the world's worst weather like meteorologist. Like I would not. I'm like the end of. I'm like the end of Mean Girls, where you know, like it's there's an eighty percent chance of rain. Um, but like I genuinely, this is a this is the fixture that always fills me with hopium. And then twenty minutes in, I'm like, ah, yes, now I remember why I hate this game. Yeah, I don't think that it will be like that this year, and I am fully prepared to, you know. For everyone to think that I'm just making shit up. That's fine. I love making um, shit up. It's so fun. Absolutely. I think that I would like to see, do you think the players will all come in 
walk into the stadium wearing their winner's medals because I think that would be really funny. And John Klein could wear his World Cup medal and his URC medal together at the same time and just walk into the Leinster dressing room and just wave and then leave. I think the Leinster team should be forced to clap the World Cup winner, John Klein, onto the pitch. John Klein, when, sorry, my apologies. They should be forced when, to clap John Klein onto the pitch and then they should be forced to clap the rest of the Munster squad as the winning URC champions. When the they pitch. announce Johnny Sexton, you know, his triumphant return to the pitch of the Aviva Stadium, John Klein should just walk out in front of him and just take that reception because, to be honest, he deserves it more. Because what's Johnny Sexton done? He's never won a World Cup. Well, I genuinely think the funniest thing is, is that there will be a player from South Africa's World Cup winning squad will arrive in Dublin first before the actual coach of South Africa, who's supposed to be taking over Leinster, will arrive there. Where is he? Who knows? I mean, genuinely, like, it would not surprise me at this point for, like, there to be a cardboard cutout of Jacques Nienaber up for the press ahead (laughs) of their Connacht game with, like, Sean O'Brien moving it and... Like trying to do a really bad South African accent. Like, Sean, Sean O'Brien's laugh. Sean O'Brien will like Sean O'Brien will graduate from doorminder to like dummy holder. Oh God. And you know what? He seems absolutely fine about the fact that Jack Niederberg is eventually going to come in and take his job. I absolutely just think it's fine. I think it's so funny to watch the like um, I, I'm not like the the drill tweet of like I'm not owned, I'm not owned as I slowly transform into I'm, a corn cob. That I'm not clear. mad, I'm not mad. Please don't put in the newspaper that I got mad. This is it. It's like just shut the f- oh, like go ahead, scream, shut the fuck up. My uh, <laughs> you only make my opinions worse. Um, like Sean O'Brien is at this point like a walking drill tweet in the Leinster coaching staff. Genuinely, and- very surprising the way that they have conducted themselves in the media over this whole Jack Nienaber thing. I thought that they were more like sanitized than that um and i'm not even saying that as like a you know digging you know i'm not having a dig i just genuinely find it really surprising it's really funny um call this game what do we what do you think um uh losing bonus point for monster well that's boring monster by one score losing bonus point for leinster as a treat uh, losing bonus point for Leinster is a treat the one thing I will say about us and I genuinely just like I didn't make this point but I want to come back to it the ghost of La Rochelle is hovering over Leinster in two weeks time and they're going to want nothing more than to go down there and take um, take the points Um, we have Bayonne who by comparison have like such luminaries in fairness as Luke Taji playing for Bayonne I love Luke Taji your no, guy since- since when are since when are Bayon a uh, Heineken Cup team? I'm sorry, like that's made up. Yeah, it, it is made up, but they got in by virtue of the fact that Toulon won the Challenge Cup last season. There's, it's just made. I don't care. It's made up. The one thing I will say about Toulon though, about Bayon though, right? Bayon are eleventh in the um top fourteen mm-hmm. table. Now, admittedly, La Rochelle are ahead of them in tenth. Um, but like Raj isn't going to throw the Heineken Cup to focus on the top fourteen. He's absolutely not. No. Whereas I would absolutely back. Realistically, uh, Greg- Raj knows that he will lose the top fourteen final to Toulouse anyway. So like he may as well focus on the Heineken Cup. I would absolutely back um, who I think is who I think is the coach of Bayonne, Pierre Berbizier, according to really um, uh, influential source Wikipedia. Um, uh, no, he is not. Oh, I, 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 <laughs> hang on, hang on. Head coach, Avera, this is the sound of a man looking up um, something on the internet. Um, so, like, I genuinely think, like, the, the funny, like, the funniest fucking shit 
about Bayern is that their halfback pairing is Maxime Machino and Cami Lopez. That is amazing. Like it's I genu- love that. It's genuinely sorry, Gregory Patash, hundred percent a made up name. Is uh, it's like a, like a film by Alan Smithy is their head coach. And I like, think the point that you're going for is that Munster will not need to pre- really prepare to win this game, whereas exactly. Leinster will feel like they need to prepare to beat La Rochelle. And the final point that I want to make, because I'm really funny, is that Cami Lopez and Maxi Machno playing at halfback for Bayon is like that time that the surviving members of S Club and the surviving members of Five formed a super group and toured. You're like, <laughs> I remember them. They're not as good, but I remember them. Um, and that's exactly what it's like. But yes, thank you for succinctly summarizing my point, which is I think Leinster are going to care way more about La Rochelle in two weeks than we're going to care about Bayonne in two weeks. Like our And the last game... time, the last time Leinster cared more about the upcoming game against La Rochelle than the home game against Munster went really, really well for them. So really I hope it goes well as well for them this time as it does last time. Uh, I do too. And I sincerely hope that I am sincerely regretting booking a half nine train back an hour after the final whistle blows uh, when I could be absolutely drinking pints and like... Imagine tra- imagine being able to get time. a train at half nine. Imagine could never, Limerick. Imagine it could never, Limerick. It could never be me. I have to yep. get a bus, I think, at 10 o'clock. I'll see. I haven't booked it yet. I know. I hate the bus. I'm so anti-bus. It's unreal. There is no team of bus here. No, there is no team of bus, but um, I can't. So, yeah, can't wait to be in block 510 along with you and the other members of the cult, um, like thoroughly booing Johnny Sexton when he is brought out at halftime uh, at this game and uh, calling him a shit Jack Crowley. Like I'm going to bring a pellet gun. Uh, if anyone who works in the Aviva Stadium is listening to this joke, please don't, please don't let, please let me in. I want to watch the game and I will shoot that lion. Like that is just something that I will have to do. Yeah, like where's Chris Cluta when you need big game kills? Oh my god! <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> let's let's end this podcast before we get actionable. Um, Eric, thank you very much for joining me. That was, uh, you know, you know so much more about about rugby and about monster than I do, and it's just it's nice to hear from somebody who is on the same page about the fact that Joseph Joubert is the worst, Leinster are the worst, and Munster are the best. I mean, Patricia, you're part of two rugby podcasts and I am part of a grand total of zero. I am an occasional guest. So I guess you're I'm, part of this rugby podcast. I, I guess I'm 0.5 of a rugby podcast. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like um, where can people check out your, your other work? Oh, I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> the Rock and Roll podcast, although we didn't do one of those last week either. But um, yeah, the Rock and Roll podcast. I feel like nobody who's listening to this is going to want to listen to the Rock and Roll podcast. I'm not even really allowed to talk about Monster that much over there. Yeah, and, maybe people uh, will like that kind of thing we kind of talk about the Welsh regions quite a bit which I'm not really a fan of but you know yeah Grav is though Grav is though and some people have some people some people have to talk about the Welsh regions apparently some people some people have to support the Ospreys you know um, support amateur rugby meanwhile I will be opening my cameo page where I will be offering uh, cameos of the Munster rugby forwards coach uh, Munster's head coach but limited to three words or less um and uh, <laughs> a regional broadcaster who nobody outside of Limerick knows. And you won't, you didn't, you wouldn't even do any of those impressions on this fine podcast, and that is a shame. No, because I had a really, really good one um earlier in the week, and I like spaffed it at half eight in the morning when nobody was online, and it just <laughs> went completely under the radar. And you know what? Maybe if Munster win next week, we might I- see. Trevor. I promise, I promise if we win, right? I promise if we win, I will do live in the stadium uh, Trevor Anderson interviewing Andy Kiriakou. 
I am so looking forward to it. And if, if that doesn't make, I mean, that's not going to make anyone this, this want Munster to win that game because they won't get to hear it and I will. But anybody listening to this who doesn't want Munster to win that game, I don't really understand what you're here for unless you're like really sort of self-hating, masochistic Leinster supporter who wanted to hear us dunk on your beloved rugby team. Like, I hate your yep. rugby team, not going to lie. So, <laughs> um, we've note. probably driven this podcast into the ground. So, we probably will not be back ever again. Yeah. Um, sorry, Kaylon. Thank you, thank you, Eric. Sorry, Kaylon. Um, I'm actually not sorry at all. I actually take back the apology. I did not mean it. And thank you, everybody, for listening, even though nobody is still listening at this point. And we will probably be back next week to talk about an amazing win in the Aviva Stadium against Leinster. Bye, everyone. Bye.